So uh, for this episode, you had a couple of different ideas for titles. This was the, one of the first struggles was uh, naming it. Yeah, my main one is that I want to say we can't stop here. This is Heartbreaker Country <laughs> because it's 115 pages long now. So if it doesn't Red work, Markets is. Yeah, Red Markets. So if it doesn't work... <laughs> Uh, and, you know, in the clarity of hindsight, I can see what a terrible idea it was. Uh, it's just going to kill me. Uh, it, yeah, it's, gotta, it's the danger zone right here. Like, it's not so done that nothing, like, it's, it's bulletproof. It's going to happen now. It's not like we have a Kickstarter yet. Yeah. But it's not so, like, undone that it's just wasting away in some folder never to be opened again. Right, right. It's not. Uh, right. It will be a failure that haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drives you to drink more drinking, yeah, yeah, which more. is not healthy. <laughs> uh, but you had other titles as well. Uh, uh, macros, macro, macro, things macro. rhyme. Yeah, that's good. But I think <laughs> I like the title "Big Playtest, Big Problems" because that's that's a little more hopeful. You know, that's like you know the cheesy. I'm giving a thumbs up to the microphone right now. Yeah, all right, we're good podcasters. So that's what we're talking about: big playtest, big problems here at Game Designers Workshop. All right. Uh, so yeah, in this episode, we've been doing uh, Red Marks has been we've been playtesting it for a while. Uh, four or five sessions now. Uh, four or five adventures and like six sessions. So yeah, yeah. we took a while for character creation. Too. Yeah, that was like a full session to yeah. do that in uh, Enclave creation. And uh, so have an update and the progress. Uh, I've been focused on getting Boiling Point done and uh doing freelance work so you're still in multitasking mayhem right now i am i am i'm lagging behind so uh you're one of those netflix junkies who just binges seasons over the (laughs) weekend and i am pacing myself uh so uh yeah um (laughs) metaphorically and literally uh so yeah my update is that uh, so in between last episode and this episode, which is on March 15th, I believe, since we're dating this much yeah. to my chagrin, uh, <laughs> I almost died. Uh, there was a big stint where I was in the hospital. I'm yeah. okay now, yep. but it was a little touch and go there for a while. Uh, and then relatives of mine did die. Uh, so the elderly one, so it was elderly one, somewhat yeah. expected, I mean, uh, like, not unexpected. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that hurt the pre Kickstarter money I'd been saving up real right. bad. So I have actually started commissioning art. Uh, I've got a couple pieces. I've got a cover. Uh, I've got some fancy looking things. I got an awesome character sheet. Yeah. Uh, so I have commissioned some art. So we did get yeah, some the character out of sheets it. are really cool. I really like. But those. the whole like, uh, let me hoard everything from no security. Yeah. Yeah, that that went away when my gallbladder died on me. <sighs> rolled a uh, rolled a double one there. Yeah, it did. <laughs> As is my <laughs> typical strategy in life. Yeah, uh, a lot of like, your, like the dice you got for right there. <laughs> yeah, like the dice. We'll talk about that. Uh, so um, I am still on track to publish a game, obviously, uh, but there's probably not. No, there's definitely not going to be an ash can for sale for. Uh, Gen Con, just because, yeah. you know, that required me to have more than two pieces of art yeah, uh, and kind of stuff and, and more time than I would have had. And I time, lost, I think, was the biggest thing. I mean, And I could, lost two or three weeks to just yeah. 
laying in bed. So yeah, I mean the t- like the thing is, Ashcans have very little art a lot of the time. So yeah, but the time is time is definitely a major. Yeah, yeah, and it cut like a month or so. Yeah, probably more when you count like as behind as I was in work. So, yeah, uh, life finds a way to fuck with you. <laughs> is the uh, Lesson learned there in Game Design Workshop. But we did get the macro playtest started, even though I didn't yeah. have it fully written. We had enough yeah. to go off of. So we did enclave generation. So the basic idea is rather than designing your company and being a self-standing entity, uh, like I said in the very early drafts of this, and you can listen to the early episodes, uh, I, I think it's much more interesting to go the route I did with No Soul Left Behind, and you're part of a community, and your company exists in that community. Uh, so I came up with some pretty interesting questions. It's a pretty rules-light system. Yeah. Uh, though there are ways to do it where you just like roll to see who's right or what exists and what doesn't. Um, but we generated an enclave. So Ross, can you can you tell the listeners what we uh, what we generated? Or basically what you were reading at the yes. exact time we were. I was reading it? City of Darkness Revisited, uh, <laughs> which is about Kowloon Walled City, and I've also been reading about brutalist architecture because ruin. And so the enclave is called La Corbusier after the French brutalist architect, and uh, the it is set near Chicago. Uh, in the Chicago region as an architectural, uh, formerly an architectural school. Uh, and they use things like uh, cont- shipping containers turned into houses, also a zombie barricades. My character's name is Kowloon. Uh, and he is an architect, a former architect student who became a zombie barricade expert uh, when when the uh, collapse happened. So, uh, uh, yeah. So at first, when you propose <laughs> this, my initial thought was, God damn it, Ross. <laughs> Because uh, he's trying to turn red markets into ruin, <laughs> but eventually we made it a uh, says everywhere, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, far more interesting for me. Yeah, uh, in that I really liked the idea that they were doing the sustainability project, but yeah. then they needed people with cranes to move those damn yeah, storage I, containers. Yeah. And so there's like two political parties in the group, and one's the tenured, and the other are the pillars, like as pillars of the community. contractors and yeah. uh, other construction worker types. And it's very much like rich former blue collar with rich left wing slash Marxist <laughs> on the other end, and then it's uh, to be fair, architects. I think there would be a number of Randy and like yeah, there would be some yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I find it very interesting that you have yeah. these two uh, culture war parties yeah. that rule the enclave and I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, everything's been totally Euclidean. There's not no yeah. non you, <laughs> totes Euclidean, y'all. Yeah. Uh it's hard to say. Totes Euclidean. Uh yeah. So anyway, uh, that's my DJ name by the way. <laughs> totes Euclidean. I would go to that show. <laughs> Uh, just sine waves because you know uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, anyway uh, you guys came up with a lot of good characters and interesting factions in there Um, so your character Kualoon is just an architectural student yeah Uh, Tom is playing a latent with a hammer with a different name (laughs) I think he's played the exact same character with the exact same dependent in every iteration of the game. And we're on version 5 now. To be fair. At at least 15 in the yeah. session. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I mean, all the other characters were just one-shots. So, yeah. like, I mean, he just wanted to play. That was his campaign character. He just kept bringing it into the same thing. It's just an episodic game for him. Yeah, that's why. It yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to defend Tom, all right? Jesus. Uh, but, no, the latent rules are thoroughly tested. Yeah. Uh, by Tom. Uh, David is Mauve. <laughs> Uh, who is 
a purple psychopath. Hand, yeah. Yes, uh, but he's uh, he is one of the cults. The face man. Yeah, he's one of the cults that I made. Cultists. So, yeah, uh, um, the archive archivist archivist. Yeah. yeah, we're all gonna die. This is just the last grasp. Yeah. So let's preserve everything for whatever comes next. Um, and then, and then uh, Aaron is playing a former college DJ that. Uh, <laughs> Gave people like evacuation directions during the crash, but insisted on playing horrible anime music in between. <laughs> so he is well known and much hated. Uh, yeah, which is an interesting. So like, yeah, that's that's one aspect of the character creation is that you come up with one unique trait uh, for your character that is both an advantage and a disadvantage. Yes. Uh, so like the latent, you're you can't be infected anymore but one when you die you turn into a vector you know horrible fast zombie and also everyone's scared to death of you because you're infectious um you know uh it's a little like a fate aspect yeah only instead of like paying to use it it's kind of always on in a certain situation and it is very much a contextual but if i use it to screw with the player i pay a metagame point which is basically will uh, which is your ability to flip dice and negate crit failures or upgrade yeah. things to crit successes and stuff like that. Um, and like mine, and that the latent is and the immune traits are the sort of the predefined ones. But you also had uh, we also made our own. And like mine, the barricade expert is one. I get a bonus on actually building and anything relating to mechanics and anti zombie stuff. I would be good at. But two, everyone, oh, I'm popular, you know, everyone, I'm like a doctor at a house party. Everyone wants a diagnosis for free. Yes. Uh, and then Aaron, he has, he knows many pe- people as the DJ, but. So he can a- overcome the limit on the character sheet. Yeah. Uh, basically, it breaks the game in your favor, but it puts a big handle on your right. character. That and this was different than the earlier iteration where, like, the latent was like a character class or what? what yeah, I had character classes for yeah. a while. Dump that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never was really comfortable with it, but couldn't think of a way to express it. But sure. now now that's better. So we've added a lot of stuff in the new yeah. version that we didn't do in the one-shot play cast. So we're doing vignettes uh, that you do with your dependents so that your family is like persistent and has some sort of effect on your character. Yeah. And then you get involved in the community before you go. Uh, I'm still thinking about maybe adding a success, success mechanic to that. So mm-hmm. like uh, you guys tend to be gearing towards conflict. So Right. Uh, which is fair because that's how drama goes. Exactly. That's not... Uh, so I've been adding themes, and I think that's been interesting. But I may just keep it as a success mechanic of, like, can you use it to heal the humanity or not with a certain, like, role. Right. Uh, and probably be still self-control role or something. So do you resolve the the innate uh, conflict present in all poverty situations and, like, make a human connection and feel better? Or did you just kind of, like, snipe with your sister and stuff like that? Now, would that be in addition to that, like, right now, it's you heal, for each dependent, you heal one column of stress. Is that to get that, or would that be in addition it's, to It would be to get that. To get that. Uh, so, okay. Thinking about that, because, like, I was thinking about the playtest draft of Delta Green we read yeah. a while back ago, and I think they're far beyond this in rules iterations. Yeah. But you had the vignettes, which I thought was very interesting. And then you had the you have to roll to get the benefit of the vignette. Yeah. And in the play chess draft we read, that was like it was legit like a one percent chance. Yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was absurdly bleak. But I like the idea as long as it's not that impossible that you might as well just throw the dice down a right. storm drain. Um 
so there's that. Uh, we now have persistent humanity damage and the cost of healing that. So in one yeah. shots, you don't have that. So uh, Aaron's character has taken a. Uh, I've gotten close. I was Aaron's like character's one, taken yeah. regret. Yeah. And, you know, it'll probably keep happening. You know, yeah. So uh, bleeding away in that regard. Um, we have jobs and business lines. So uh, that's how you do campaign plays is you have uh, clients that recur. Yeah. They come back. Uh, with the ability to keep, you know keep giving you jobs, and they prefer you. You're the preferred provider. Um, and then we have expanded scam mechanics for uh, the problem with the negotiation mechanic before was that it was entirely one player doing it. Yeah. Uh, so scams are ways for the entire crew to get on the negotiations without having an absurd situation of five PCs screaming at an NPC, pay us more money! <laughs> pay us more money! Uh, so it, it's uh, more Ocean's Eleven in the zombie apocalypse kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, I've increased the NPC's negotiation powers, so they have a few uh, things they can do, like provide a gift, yeah. So that up that that I really that was a really cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can't re- like you get a piece of gear, but you can't yeah. really say like, well, I don't like gear. It's an automatic big push. Yeah. Um, and then reputation spots. So there's a little bit of a reputation game that was supposed to be a bigger part in like a past iteration, but I, I cut it because it was just seemed too too crunchy. Right. Um, and then uh, retirement plans, which are sort of your experience thing. and we're Which still, is the goal of the game. Yeah, and we're still moving on that. And yeah. That's going to be a while to see how that pans right. out still. Uh, so that's new stuff we added. Thoughts on that? Uh, I've already told you some during email. Uh, yeah. So we can go over that, I guess, uh, for the podcast. Um, the first thing is with the negotiations. Mechanically speaking, um, the character, they're all based on uh, social skills, which um, basically means the guy with the highest social skills sh- all should always do it because you're mechanically better off. Yeah, um, and so David does that every time, and uh, and there so negotiation has to happen at the beginning of each adventure, and so there's basically one spotlight scene for the social character every single time that. Uh, the other players contribute to, you know, they each get one little minor scene in that one. Uh, but uh, it, I thought that uh, perhaps there could be a, uh, some groups may not want to have, and also the, you know, one thing it makes social skills an absolute necessary. Every single group needs to have yeah. a social character uh, or don't even bother. And two, that means that one player is getting the spotlight every week and other players may want to sit in the negotiator seat, but then, you know, they can't do that because they don't have, they're, they're not, spe- you know, spec'd for that. Yeah. And my solution that I proposed in the email that you talked about was that have the option, at least, of having an NPC fixer who would have the appropriate skills and they could provide additional benefits and then everybody is in the same, like, who role plays the fixer. Um, you know, basically like an agent for an actor or something like that could be changed every like Aaron plays one week, then I play him one week. He's a, he drinks a lot, so he's a little erratic. That explains you know his uh, shifts. In his the entire air. voice and demeanor changes yeah. frequently. Uh, or it could be several people, you know, like a different fix every week. But like that would allow everyone a chance to try out the main mechanics for uh, negotiation. Yeah, um, because it also you know, and the other thing, it makes social skills more effective per 
cost than any other skill set because they aren't not only necessary for negotiation to get money, they're also used for many encounters, or at least, you know, a good number of them. Yeah. Uh, so not quite the, you know, spellcaster supremacy of third ed, but it does make it like if you had to make any a random character without knowing anything else in the group, you would make a social character. Um, yeah. So, uh, and yeah, so that was my first concern. Uh, yeah, and I agree with that. And I think some of that is my writing. So yeah. we're just a talkie group, and so I write talkie encounters. Yeah. Um, so, and I've been trying to be around that. So I think the last game, yeah, the last game we had a you know gladiatorial, <laughs> which was amazing combat and betting yeah. thing. Uh, so, and then we had the filing cabinets, and that was an intelligence, not a persuasion. That was a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Has, yeah. Uh, which I had a bunch of uh, stacked filing cabinets, uh, certain filing cabinet drawers that you had to climb. It was a four-story tall yeah. tower of filing cabinets. Certain welded together. Certain drawers were uh, would pop open if you pulled on them and yeah. have traps inside, uh, like cinder blocks or grenades or something like that. And other ones were safe to climb up, and that's how the guy protected his little yeah. eye of Sauron on the plane. <laughs> Um, until he died of dysentery. Until he died of dysentery. Woo! Uh, so, yeah, I, I am going to... That was uh, partly my fault for giving too much spot on time to social characters just because uh, we typically write more towards social characters, even if we're playing, like, D&D, yeah. just in our personal group. That's our preference. So yeah. that's something to d- do against. But I, I agree with your... Uh, that definitely needs to be an alternate rule set. I just need to figure out a way to make the fixer a persistent investment in the game. Yeah. Um, that everyone has to contribute to because if yeah. everyone is having to use those, you know, use the fixer. Yeah. Uh, that his skills need to cost more money than the skills on your character shoot by right. a sizable amount. Like uh, if you want his leadership up or things like that. And I'm not quite sure how to implement that, especially like the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Like, does it just have one in everything or like, and then you go up from there or, or, or what do you do? So, yeah. um, I do agree that needs to go in there, so we'll have to play test that sometime. Yeah. But I also added a two-man scam. So if you want to PC hive mind it, that's fine. You gotta give up your scam. Then you can have two people in the room. And so like someone can play bad cop, good cop. Or have we know, done I don't think we've done that yet. We haven't done that yet. I just yeah. implemented that. Okay. Um and that's another option, so that's good. Okay. And then I kind of codified scams as a result of your guys' kind of confusion. So you can do it to um the research goes beforehand for like finding the name of the job and stuff like yeah. that. But you can do it to manip- manipulate the equilibrium with the supply demand cost. So just raise the overall price of the job. Yeah. Or you can use it to research the person yeah. that you're going up against and do better in negotiations. And both have their benefits and drawbacks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that stuff's going well. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I haven't implemented yet, so I don't have a D100 table for random rolling yet. Yeah. Because uh, I'm still writing it. Every leg I record in a journal, that will go on the D100 table. So You know, uh, there, there is kind of one problem. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a problem, but one thing uh, that I think will be unique to this playtest campaign is that every single encounter we've had, we're like, no, we're going to poke it because you designed this. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting, even if our players are going to suffer horribly. Like the filing cabinet, like tower of doom like that looks like death from afar regardless but like no 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 we're gonna we're, we want to you have out. skipped some yeah uh when Which you had the skip? the with drift when the driving one you 
spent gas to skip all the legs. So. Yeah, but we, you didn't describe them yet. That was the thing. I didn't describe it. All right. If you so. said if there was something weird, once like, the hook's in the water, yeah, yeah, you're seeking to swallow it. Show me, show me the shiny thing, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'll go bite it. <laughs> uh, but you didn't like tell us that. Well, also another past critique was that we didn't have enough opportunities for bounty. So like, uh, I think that's yeah, a good case. Helped. So negotiations now earn you quite a few more bounty than they did in previous iterations, and we yeah. may change it to they give you any more. And then I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to structure the D100 table as four events give you uh, give you a chance to gain additional bounty at some risk. Uh, four events give you a chance to just suffer some risk. Yeah. Uh, so like the dust storm, nobody wins at a dust storm. Derude music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, then there's uh, a critical, which will be whatever is the double. Uh, yeah, evens are on that one, um, and that's just you know stumble into a you know gold chest or whatever. Right. And then there's a crit failure, which is like oh shit, yeah, we should run vectors, yeah, vectors uh, or aberrants, or yeah, something like that. or cultists or something like that. Aberrant cultists, vectors. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I spent all my fate moxia will, <laughs> fate moxia will. Fate of Moxa For what ails you? Fate of Moxa Will. That was uh, uh, like RPPR money units. There's Fate of Moxa Will. <laughs> Those points you use to not die in a game. I should really name the uh, yeah. suppressant drug that keeps you from turning into a zombie that. Fate of Moxa Will. Or in Aaron's case, you spend it in the first skill challenge of the game. The very first one. Yeah. yeah. I can understand spending it. A in skill the- challenge I don't require him to make. I open my door. <laughs> you can do... No... I spend a will. Aaron, stop. <laughs> stop. No, stop touching the stove. No. Yeah. Stop pouring gasoline on Pretty that. Pretty much. Uh, uh, I mean, I understand spending will on the negotiation because, again, you know, you need a payday. But yeah. Like, um, yeah. Anyway. And also, like, I need to do more combat encounters just to stress the combat system more. We haven't been super yeah. combat heavy. Uh, and so another thing about the negotiation mechanic that I think is going to kind of work itself out David's character rolls like a motherfucker, but he yeah. uses all of his will in negotiation, and keeping him alive is going to become harder once you right. start fighting people with guns. Right. Uh, and so that'll be the challenge of the social character. Like, yeah. can you be cowardly enough to survive encounters? So um, so there's other stuff I have. I need to, I need to do a deal on the table. I need to do interludes. So I like the idea of skipping a leg, especially since legs are now more profitable, and you, skipping, uh, like, you have a 50-50 chance of getting one that's going to net you more bounty even if there's a risk. Um, so skipping a leg to do role-playing. I haven't decided how I want to do that. I want some sort of like D10 subject matter table, kind of like if you've uh, played the expanded edition of Savage Worlds, you draw a suit of cards, and the suit determines the basically theme of the conversation. Right. I haven't decided if I want to go so far or have it is to incorporate the full dice mechanic, as in the black determines the theme of the conversation of who's saying it, and the red determines the other person's reaction. And I think... I think that'd be super interesting for me because, like, people have bad days of work and they're assholes. So, oh, yeah. Like, like, I think it'd be super interesting that among your your teammates and your character, like, I would like to stress the theme of the game and that you are not noble adventurers bounded together by blood. Sometimes you're people who need money. And yeah. so I thought it'd be, like, really good if, like, you roll, like... How uh, a person you loved in the crash, how they were lost, and the other person, and the red die says apathy. Like, <laughs> oh, you lost your girlfriend to zombies. Join the club. <laughs> I'm gonna put my headphones in. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, like, but that is taking uh, choice away from players. So I might make that like alternate rules, or for NPCs, or, or, or for NPCs or something like, like your that. dependents. Like you go like, oh my god, Bob from our group got killed, and then your independent is like, yep, all right, yeah. But I like role playing challenges. I like yeah. just saying like, what would your character say? I think that's yeah. kind of vague. I think people thrive with like structure, even if it's like a randomly generated one. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I got to write that up. Uh, I got to do mass combat rules, uh, which I'm just calling wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the whole enclaves is about to go down, stuff like that. Uh, I'm making that like I already have it planned out for that. It's like negotiation mechanics, only pretty much everything is your leadership test. Yeah. And everyone has to make it for their units. So you're all moving on little. That actually brings up a good point, because uh, for me, something I've been meaning to talk uh, the unskilled, because one thing you you only have so many skill points around. You can't yeah. put one. And until one, you buy more, right? And one skill point, it doesn't matter because if you roll a match in you know double numbers, it's going to be a critical success or failure. Regardless. Well, you can make it with one skill point. Uh, well, that's the thing. Um, There's no defaulting. That's that that that's actually my concern because there are some abilities that I think everyone can try. Everyone can throw a punch. It can be a horrible punch. So, but like in the last fight where um, New David's character was uh, fighting zombies and he doesn't have any points in unarmed. He couldn't punch the zombie. He had to get his melee weapon. Would it be, how about like a penalty? Uh, like Well, in the game as written, you like can spend a, black, a will yeah. and then you can make a beginner's luck roll. Okay. Uh, so if you have will, you can make just the, it's a 45% chance at the base probability without any pluses or minuses. Right. Um, but the way I put it in the game is like, if it's such a situation as where defaulting wouldn't matter and there's still yeah. a chance of success, why are you rolling for it? Right. Like that, that's my argument. Like, okay, you're driving the car down a road that's completely empty in a bright, sunny day. Right. You don't have a drive skill. Why would I say you can't drive or why would I say you can't speak Spanish when you're like trying to order, uh, fucking quesadilla like. right right but if it's like i can't speak spanish and the guy with the gun to my head is yelling in spanish right then it would be like make the roll or like i'm driving in a like wreck strewn highway in the middle of a rain storm you know then you need to like if you shouldn't be doing that if you don't know how to do it well right uh, and and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of my interpretation. Of but it. that's the thing is, you're just saying we have to have leadership checks. Three of our characters aren't going to have leaderships. So. Well, that's the thing. That's why you have a, a yeah. There's a leader. There's a general. Yeah. Of a more, and then there's the right. captains, and then it's kind of like scamps. Uh, so you're doing combat. You have to physically stay alive. Yeah. But you can do other stuff to help your group. So right. if you have demolitions, that's how you move the track up because you're in charge of the you know, exploding right. part. Or if you have uh, zombie fortifications, right, right. you roll your zombie fortification thing to trigger things, it's still a big deal, like how you trigger your defenses. That's basically the scam thing. Only you're not limited in scams because the red die, which is usually the client, pushes way harder when it's an army. Right. Uh, so you're having to generate like four, five, six sway to combat what the red die is doing. Uh, and I have to test that out and I have to write that out. Sure. I'm waiting, though, because like if that goes wrong, I don't want to kill your characters right. all just because the rule's wrong, not because you made like a portentous choice. Right. Uh, so we might have to do that in one shot or something. Right. Um, uh, I haven't done vehicles and collisions. Yeah. I've kind of been pulling that on my butt. My rules are probably going to be pull that out of your butt, uh, but I don't have like anything in there. 
Um, I haven't. You guys haven't counted aberrants yet. You've had a chance, but you guys always miss the aberrants. Uh, was, that, was that just in the last day of the adventure we drove through, or were there? Uh, there have been two or three of them, oh. and then in the one shots, there's always been two or three of them. And yeah, you guys always just sail right past them. Huh. Uh, Interesting. So, but that's kind of cool. That's Wait, how well, I'm going to well, put them well, in. Did the... you classify that robot we met as an aberrant? Uh, no, no, because okay. it's not infected. Uh, that that that's in there, but yeah, uh, yeah. So aberrants, and then I've added uh, combat things. I've added things called advantage. So. Like really serious enemies have will points. Like yeah, uh, you know, kind of serious enemies have red points, so they add to the red die, or like they've got you know more speed or something like that. Um, so that's another thing I need to test, and then the execution of the retirement plans because yeah. I'm not sure if those should be you know games for every milestone or milestones just at the end, right? Or, and I haven't decided that. So I mean, what are you, like in terms of thinking about the retirement? Like, what for you would be the average campaign? Like, how many adventures should a taker have to survive to have a shot at retiring? Have you thought about that? Or is that um, some- that's the thing though, because like I think that varies. I know what how what I would feel like is narratively satisfying, yeah. but at the same time, like I don't feel like I should plan for what I feel like is narratively okay. satisfying because I know there's group that's been playing D and D for two and a half years, and right. I wouldn't want to slam my head against the ground. Uh, and then there's groups that never get through. Well, do you have a, like a, a range? Two like? or three campaigns? Uh, yeah, I don't think like two or three you get right. out. I, I don't. I think if it was that easy, yeah. everyone would be hopping over the fence okay. and going on a zombie murder spree. Uh, what I would like is I would like the horror curve progression. Yeah, you made it out, but was it worth it? Because you're bruised, beaten, scarred, and crazy, or you didn't make it out like everyone else. <laughs> Uh, ideally, I would like it like the end of a Cthulhu game or the end of a Delta Green campaign. Yay, we won! <laughs> yeah, like that's what I would hope for. But um, but there's yeah, that's there's there's that. Right. Uh, I've right. also ne- realized I need to do something to do like group retirement plans, so not everybody like people don't have to leave and then come back with new characters. Uh, I I think I might do that just as the standard rule as a group retirement plan where you all agree on it. Uh, but yet again, I got I got to figure out how that works. So okay, um, because I mean, just judging from the rate that we've had so far, I mean, uh, but like, there's problems with the yeah. negotiation money that we talked right, about, right. and I'm probably going to make more money coming out of that, and right. then things things of that nature. Well, well, just for, so the listeners know, um, on average, like after three. I see uh, impossible closure. Um, the second one was Safari, right? Or no? What was the uh, the one with drift on it? Uh, impossible closure, uh, dead drive, dead drive, Safari, Safari. Those are the first three you that guys we've are, done. You guys are currently doing right. Well, I'm just uh, talking about kangaroo. the one. Yeah. After three adventures, I had 13 bounty in the first milestone, and there were three milestones. Each one was set at 20. So it was a, almost like by the fourth adventure, I should be at the first. Um. Yeah. Milestone. Um. And so yeah. So using that as a rate, so that would be four. Yeah, twelve adventures to get to survive to have to. Yeah. Uh. And each session, and that's been, a medium sized RPPR campaign. I'd be okay yeah. With that. Uh. And twelve adventures. Each one is like one and a half sessions long. So like eighteen yeah. sessions long 
for Kowloon to survive and I have yeah. a shot at getting out. Um, and most groups don't play that long. So right. I, most, need, most. I need to make it more adjustable. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like uh, even in D&D, uh, their, their default rules were for the longer slower campaigns but they had rules like advance every session get a level every session so yeah one and or start at a higher level uh so yeah so the, there need to be alternate rules just like i've got alternate rules for initiative now yeah. and i've got alter, alternate rules for uh hall now yeah but those come out of like extensive one-shot play tests yeah and with macro stuff i'm hesitant to like nail anything down yeah. until we get closer to like executing it now, one thing I find really interesting about this uh, Red Markets is, um, you know, it has this sort of very narrative focus on, like, econ- th- economically themed, like, the horrors of a, you know, bad economy of surviving in a war zone and that kind of thing. But you can also play it as a very kind of old school uh, dungeon crawl, very much, almost a, kind of like a roguelike in some ways type yeah. game, um, where min-maxing is of the utmost importance and pe- uh, players engineer characters to be as efficient taking machines as possible uh and see how far they can get before they you know get rich or die trying yes, basically yeah. uh, because like just from a few sessions i realized like i know the next character i'm going i would make would be very different from catalog like uh spend a lot more on up get a few low upkeep tools and put a lot of points into their upkeep or into their upgrades to save on that maintenance, uh, then something else, uh, you know, then like getting high tech tools with very high upkeep costs, you know, like, uh, Ludwig, the robotic donkey that I have is, uh, I, I really like it. It's very colorful, but like it is not a min maxers tool. Uh, uh, yeah. In negotiation currently you count for your break point, which is the yeah. people you want to keep alive. And then it goes into like how far you're traveling the risk of the job. All yeah. those things are factored in. And what I was thinking about as I was crunching numbers when you were talking about things that were going the negotiation mechanic is that after the break point, you should get uh, you should get bounty for the amount of materials you have. Yeah. And normally I'm kind of skeptical about that uh, in that you are, um, you know, just now everything is paid off. Yeah. And that seems a little too easy. But I was thinking that the game does reward you going out there with a pistol and a prayer and nothing else. If you do the job with the bare minimum, you've now made the most amount of money, which is yeah. why drug dealing is nice. Uh, you, <laughs> very low overhead, very high profit. I yeah. mean, go to Humboldt County, California. Yeah, you got to shed and some weed and look. <laughs> you know, next look year you're out. doing fine. Yeah. Um, but I think that would also kind of balance itself out, and that's my hope if we try the new negotiation mechanics is that, okay, you have an insanely high upkeep. If you get all the way to 100% markup, that upkeep is factored into your 100% markup. Yeah. So you're now making way more money. If your upkeep for gear is three, yeah. that's making <laughs> more money and you have a lower overhead. But when you get into the markup, your markup is going to be sizably less because that's not factoring into the multiplier. Um, so I'm hoping that'll even it out. Yeah. I mean, I can see in the future, uh, supplements like, like, and I know like for the base game, you don't want to necessarily go this route, but like, because you, you obviously the, with a game, you, at a certain point you have to abstract things. You can't simulate the economics like to an infinite degree, but like, um, 
trying on variable rules for like rent uh, and housing and like sort of the impersonal stuff. So like if you instead of spending one bounty per adventure to, you know, eat and sleep, uh, have like, hey, I have a luxury pad. I get more humanity back because I can play Xbox every night or something like that, uh, which is kind of abstract with how you're just spending money for uh, just to burn off stress. But like uh, like in XCOM or something like that, you build your base up and then uh, or have more options for uh, the maintenance of equipment other than it's fully ma- right now. It's just fully maintained or it's not right. It's sort of a binary uh, thing. You, no, you can skip upkeep but yeah. then you just mark that you skipped upkeep and then i will make a roll and right then stuff happens because the roll so but you know well, that is missed upkeep so far yeah that's that's what i mean the, the 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 roll is you either fully if you don't pay it off entirely you there's the roll and there is the roll based on like there's crit success success well like, fail your states and then crit fail. well i think like the 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 upkeep for my dronky is like six yeah. So if I pay four of it, I still have to roll. Yes. But if that is that roll the same as if I had spent zero on it? Uh, well, that's a good point. I might add that in there. Yeah. So maybe you get plus one for every one you do spend. Yeah. I might. I yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I will actually look into that. Because yeah, some maintenance is better than none. So. Uh yeah, I like that idea. Uh, some maintenance better. Game design live. You just heard it, listeners. Actual game design happened on the air. Well, this is not live because I'm recording it. But when you hear it, it it's like it was live. I mean, uh, yeah. Magic so, like, just the happened. thing about upkeep is like, uh, if you don't make it, you you don't uh, you don't refresh. Yeah. You don't refresh your uh, charges. charges. That's yeah. that's going to happen every time. Uh, actually, crit success, you do refresh your charges because you found it in, like, a sock or something. Oh, I forgot I had these. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, success, you don't refresh your charges. Failure, you lose an upgrade. And then uh, crit failure, it's just gone. Yeah. Uh, if you lose two upgrades, it's gone anyway because your guns now are a rusty piece of crap. Uh, so you're in a poverty spiral there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that was all good. So like you bring that up about abstraction and like, I guess we should make this more general so that people can, yeah. you know, learn about <laughs> stuff other than a game they've not seen played. Um, so stuff I've learned in the macro play test, uh, one of, in learning from your game and things like that in writing game rules, especially when you're an OOC out of character voice, uh, and I don't know if I'm doing this too much because I'm a young designer and I haven't hedged it enough or if other people don't do it because they just are of a different mindset than me or something or they've done it more and they don't feel like they need to do it again. I don't know the reason for it, but I'm finding in that writing the OOC rule stuff for my own game, it really is a treatise on my own like game design ideas because there's many things I have to explain in the game mm-hmm. that are just like totally belie uh, like totally to speak to my assumptions about game design. So like, yeah. uh, for instance, the plus one or can't be done. And I'm like, some people in play tests has argued that a plus one is functionally useless. And it is in some regards, uh, but your plus one, it does factor in. So if you spend one charge, that's plus one normally. And now you're at plus two. So it does factor in and uh, it does make you able to get rule. So I'm trying to explain the no defaulting thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, there are certain things you shouldn't be rolling for. Like there are certain things where if there's no, no stakes and if it's not difficult, they should be allowed to do. If you're in a chase scene, even if there are high stakes and the door is unlocked, I shouldn't make you roll to open a door. Right. That's just flavor text. Uh, and that's like a huge game design assumption for some people. And I just make it clear. It gets more extreme when I get to the gear section. The gear section, 
I might have to tone down because it's pretty snarky right now. Because <laughs> uh, it's talking about charges, and you have 10 charges for every item. You're already doing a ton of bookkeeping and ticking off boxes and stuff like that. And I'm, I streamlined it as much as possible, and I think it's working at the table because we've made it through four sessions. But you're still doing a lot of bookkeeping in red markets. And then I know there's going to be people like, well, this gun holds this many bullets, not 10 bullets. Right. And so I have to actively explain. It's like, yes, I know it holds that many bullets. Do you have more than 10 charges? No, you you do not. You don't want to do that. Yeah. You can tell me you want to do that all you want, but are you the one person alive still playing Phoenix Command? Because if you're not, <laughs> you do not want to do that. You want to abstract it. Like You're not, I mean, you're not alone. Like, uh, I, I certainly remember reading, like, every gumshoe game ever has similar treatises on like you spin points and you get clues stop rolling all the time yeah. you know they get the goddamn clues uh so and that's you know robin laws and king of height so that, that and the humanity yeah. section like i have to explain is like um uh i actually go into this big philosophical thing it's like uh chick nature versus nurture and all that kind of stuff so like poverty is positively correlated to Every disease, like, you're more likely to get cancer if you're poor, not to mention, like, any mental illness at all or any criminal behavior or anything like that. And, and then I get into this, like, nature versus nurture thing. Like, it doesn't matter. This game will happily screw you from both ends. Yeah. Maybe you're poor because you're that way. Maybe you're, you know, that way because you're poor. But that's kind of thing. But my main thing about the humanity rules is that I call it humanity and not sanity in that, like, there's nothing amount, there's no amount of crap you can see that's going to make you suddenly hear voices if you weren't genetically disposed to schizophrenia. Like, people who suffer from schizophrenia suffer, and it's not because they saw a tentacle beast and rolled on a random genetic precondition. Yeah, yeah, it's a genetic precondition. Unless that tentacle beast awoke the inner deep one in you, (laughs) and you're because you come from Innsmouth, and your last name is Mark. (laughs) But that's an an edge case. case. That's an edge case. That's an outlier. So, yeah, there's, like, this big thing about, like, what humanity means and and things of that in in there. So, yeah. yeah, and uh, so and then I just write my examples are like as long as my chapters because uh, that's my big thing in game design books. Yeah. Like if they give me rules and I'm like, you know what? what? They- Italicize that and make it example. So yeah. like I focus as no, much that- on that on everything else. But that is again a big assumption about game examples. Design. Really, yeah, no, totally good idea. Uh, very good idea. Uh, uh, I repeat myself a lot, and yeah. I was like deleting it once, and then I'm like, you know what? Repeating yourself is like a basic educational principle it's like a fundamental idea in pedagogy and i know like it's all about like safe space streamline make it look like a corvette as an rpg book and i'm like i get that aesthetic but it's not my aesthetic like if i can say it again briefly and then give you a page number so you don't have to flip back to that unless you want a more in-depth thing yeah i'm gonna repeat it briefly rather than just say word see page number on like yeah like because if you're just looking at to refresh, if you're just looking for reference, you want to read that sentence and move on. You don't want to go back and read the in-depth thing. So a lot of cheat sheets and stuff. But I'm learning a lot about myself as a game designer in just trying to write rules in a way that explicitly is trying to explain those rules to people who haven't done it before. And uh, I hadn't experienced that yet because I was very much functioning off of, and I think most people should, function off cheat sheets, outlines, quick 
and dirty references until you know whether it works or not. Yeah. Do not write 115 pages. I, uh, I, I am already regretting writing these huge drafts that I am like taking. Well, I saved the two paragraphs I could out of those 15. You know, off to rewrite it all again. Like, uh, no, I, you should save those because those would be good Kickstarter rewards. For oh, back. they're saved. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like, see, see the train wreck that came before this. A glorious Corvette. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I said this before, but you really need to record your iterations. So yeah. I'm on version five, and like version four had stuff that I ditched in version four. And then because it was terrible, and I went back to stuff from version two, yeah. and like you, you don't throw it away once it's broken. Like yeah. keep it. You might save. Yeah, if you like in Scrivener, save each version as a separate. Folder. You want a yard full of husks and wrecks of games that you can piece <laughs> one functioning vehicle out of. Uh, I don't know what kind of subgenre of metal you're quoted from. Like, what, what, what is it? Nerd? I was just thinking of Ozark lawns. Yeah. Like, you want a bunch of rusted wrecks of yeah. cars <laughs> that you can cannibalize and the one that gets you to work. Uh, yeah, so you don't want to just get rid of it. Yeah. Leave it in the lawn. For cats, that's not limited to the other. For right? cats that, and raccoons, thing to breed too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Appalachia. Uh, so yeah. Um, and well, one thing I would like, but just a minor thing, because uh, when we were talking about the equal, the the, the prices, I I was looking at the negotiation. It took me a while to find the equilibrium, and this is also, I think, maybe like you you know it as a game designer, but I think the first thing I was looking to negotiate is how much money do we get from the job? What is the starting point? Because you talk about all these modifiers to the price, mm-hmm. but you don't mention it, and, and then it's sort of in the bullet point of uh, step three or something like that of yeah. the actual negotiations. So. Um, and this is more like going like, hey, proofreading, something like that. Like, make sure uh, your expectations are the same as – or your expectation is not the same as the other readers. So uh, – Yeah, and that's different. Uh, and I So more, definitely definitely put like, here's where the price starts for any job. Yeah, and I've got more yeah. on that later. Uh, but yeah, the supply-demand chart is in the GM section. Yeah. For reasons, obviously. And then uh, – but my hope for that was to be that the Sway Tracker – which is the little thing you use to move the dice yeah. on to visualize where you're at in the negotiation. Since it has all those bulleted points on like very quick where you do it in starting points, my hope is that if you want the quick reference rules, you look at the manipulative and yeah. it's right there on it. Uh, but yeah, I, could, I do need to put that maybe more clearly up above. Um, so yeah, another thing I learned is that, and you mentioned this much earlier in the podcast, I can't remember which episode, but uh, that... Sometimes you just have to write it out, and I think I've done yeah. that out. But drafts are required now, not because they just clarify your thoughts. That's definitely a reason. But the the game is large enough at this point that I can forget my own rules. Yeah. Uh, and especially with five iterations of it, I totally forget my own rules. I revert back to other rules that I wrote and then played and forgot version, about. Yeah. Uh, so it helps to have the books uh, assembled now as reference uh, and now I can make a like definitive change log yeah. as we go through. Uh, so that's that when you when you're writing the big game, which you shouldn't do, you should write the small game. That was my mistake. But if you write the big game, you really need to have drafts to refer to at some point. Well, I mean, the big game is obviously more challenging than a small game usually. And uh, it and it depends on what you mean by big game, you mean like the big Fuck all. Here's the game. Da da. Here's yeah. the yeah. Uh, hardcover book. And he was, I'm not disparaging small games at all. Yeah. And many of them are much, much better in design than Red yeah. Markets is because they're streamlined and that's amazing. Well, I mean, the thing do. is. Yeah. But, like, in terms of scope, like, yeah. Plays the Thing is great. 
and I look forward to hearing the comments when people listen to that. People are voting for that, quite a few. Yeah, yeah uh, but it is not a campaign play game. You no. play the play, and then you're done. Like, yeah. And then you play a different play, or you don't. Like, Fiasco is great, but you play it for a session. Right, or the quiet year. Yeah, yeah, there's no campaign. By, yeah. There's no combat mechanics to speak of. You could of. do it with Dungeon World, but Dungeon World is sort of straddling the line between small game and big game. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and I think Dungeon World is a big game. I yeah. would put it in the big game, but like it's meant for extended play. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I, I was not disparaging any like small titles that are much better <laughs> than my game. Um, there's no such thing as 100% rollout. That's going to drive you nuts if you're anything like me. It drives me nuts right now, but I have to work. Mm-hmm. I have other responsibilities. Uh, you have to get the thing out. You have to just. You have to get out forward. what you can. You have to yeah. get out the bare minimum to work and then tack stuff onto it while it's moving. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm finding. Um, the GM section, I am very, very glad I have not started writing that because I am learning more and more about it. Like the stuff about uh, the way vignettes are heading, and the need to get you know additional bounty and ways to structure adventures and scenarios. I'd already codified that, and I'm glad because I can make scenarios really fast, and that's the plan for the GM section. Yeah, because they have these predefined parts like the job, the site, how you get there, the client, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I like thinking along those structures, and that can make random roll tables if you want to randomly generate jobs. And I have that stuff already written, but uh, I think yeah. Tip wise, I didn't know the tips until we started playing, and I don't know all the tips yet. Yeah. So I'm learning from the game as you. Guys I think are a lot of it, especially for the GM section, is to give GMs a sense of, you know, levels of average or like expectations and outcomes, like what they should, what what is the average result because this is such a new game and turn not just like I mean thematically yeah zombies have been done but like an economic themed game like this puts a lot of pressure on player characters in ways that they aren't used to I think a lot of players are not are trained to be like D&D or Delta Green agents where like the mission and this is more like you gotta you know watch out for your own and like cut your losses and so like how much money should you be able to get from a scavenge check how much bounty can you get from this kind of area versus that kind of area uh and also like outcomes for player characters like i think part of this game is since it is a horror game is to like say straight up front you should not expect every player character to be able to retire like yeah you, you should have like if you obviously you can die and get infected or whatever uh which is obvious but like you could just hit an economic wall like if, for example, because of those maintenance rules, which we mentioned earlier, if we have the nightmare scenario of, you know, not getting paid for a job and suddenly you have to roll maintenance on all your gear. Oh, yeah. And then you get crit failure on your gun or your primary weapon. Not to mention what that's doing to your stress threat in well, humanity. I mean, at that uh, point, yeah. like that character's effectively done. Like if you're if you lose all your gear, or you lose your effective gears. They're effectively have to go back to, you know, being a uh a janitor or a farmer or whatever. So like you, so you should, I think the game needs to have that. Like your character can wind up worse than they started. Like, Oh yeah. I I have included that, but I'm going to stress that more. So like that brings me to my other learning point. And this is like the, the best things happened in the play test so far. Yeah. So I'm not sure how to deal with that. So you were telling me the other night on the drive back that if Kowloon, if Kowloon's drunk, he goes down Ludwig, the lovable robotic drone. Uh, God, he's so good. Um, (laughs) 
you're just going to kill your character off, probably, because you don't want to do that anymore. It, de- it depends on what ha- on the circumstances. If it's early, if it's if I'm very close to retirement, I might hold on. But like right now, I mean, yeah. So I brought up the thematic element of yeah. like, well, we play a ton of games where yeah. you go into a full death spiral. Yeah, and we never do that. We we always play out to the yeah. zero san I am dead level, and we ride that bombshell all the way to the ground waving our cowboy hat in the air and we fucking love it and i was like why don't you want to do that and you couldn't really articulate it and it really bothered me and i'm not like angry or anything but right. like i went home and like the playtest before that had been like i need, i forgot to come on page six yeah this is working well things were going really well and i had not come home and written like eight pages of notes i needed to change um, until the last game when you said that to me. And then I realized what I think it is. It's like everyone wants to see the tentacle monster and realize that meaningless existence is everywhere and there is nothing. Because then you become an existential hero. Right. Are your rust fucking coal and you're cool as hell. And fatalism is not scary to people playing at a game. Like, it, it's... Uh, it's a you know return of the repressed if you want to talk about that yeah. uh, it may be something you secretly believe but you can't live by because you can't survive if you're a nihilist you can pretend to be a nihilist but you can't actually be a nihilist and get through a day uh, and that's the cosmic horror stuff but I think it might be hard to play through that economically uh, because there is still that hope like no matter how about it gets somebody is always in hollywood saying it was it was dark man i was living on the streets i was eating rats for food but then i got my break and look at me now and now i'm on hollywood boulevard and there's always that guy standing there it's never like bleak hopeless black universe and that got me thinking like well this is how i need to sell this game right cosmic horror is dark but at least you have you know you can revel in meaninglessness. You make your own meaning. Right. That hope's never going to leave. Like there's always going to be that light at the end of the tunnel. You're never going to reach it. Right. But it will always be there teaching you. It's like why Bane drops Batman down a hole and gives him a TV. <laughs> like you don't you don't make it so bleak that you're freed from the human condition. But it's bleak and you're going to stay there. And it's Sisyphean. Like you will keep rolling the rock and you will never get to the top. And like. Once I thought of that and wrote some stuff down, like it just a whole section to the setting unlocked for me. So, well, from my point of view, uh, yeah, to help it is um, a jonky costs six upkeep, uh, but you know, starting or it's it's six upkeep, so it's 12 bounding to buy. Uh, and I know it's half cost, it's six bounty for a starting character, but it's yeah, that's 12 bounty of purchasing power, so it will just be consistent. That's 12 bo- uh, bounty. Six upkeep per session. That's another eighteen. So that's thirty bounty plus another five or six for upgrades. So that's like thirty-six bounty on my character. Now, if I lose thirty-six bounty, that's over half of a retirement plan. Yeah. Uh, if I lose that, it's like in D and D losing six. Like if I'm a level seven character, losing five of those levels, I can't compete anymore because that bounty thirty-six bounty I could have spent on upgrades to my character, uh, like skills, other equipment. Uh, things like that. I mean, I'm worse off than a starting level character in most ways because I'd have more stress. I'd have. To, I'd certainly have a detachment or a uh, what is it? What's the uh, term for uh, cracking? Uh, oh yeah, regrets. A regret. I'd regrets. have it. I'd almost certainly have a. Regret. You crack, you crumble, or you break. Right. So I mean, at that point, my character is worse off than he was when he started. So I might as well start over. 
so, and, and, and he's like, never here, going to get better. He's never going to get dig himself out of that. I know. And here, here's here. Yeah. I, I hear everything you're saying mechanically, yeah. and I don't know what I'm going to do about it because yeah. I think I love it. Yeah. Because. Man, that's what I want to say with the game. Like, well, my character's not awful anymore. It's like I lost five fucking levels. What happens when your house burns down? Or yeah. what happens when you get sick and go to the hospital? Or what happens yeah. like... Like, that is the theme of the game. Right. Like, some shitty thing happened to one person, and it's not because they're awful, and it's not because they're a drug addict, and it's not... It's like, you're one day away from becoming the Joker, right. but the Joker's at least cool. You're also one day away from becoming a crazy homeless guy in a box. Right. Like, and I I like that, like, threat. I think that's really terrifying for your right. character. Uh, I think there's that stress, you know, like, when... Um, Tom and Jason were complaining about the gambling aspect yeah. of Trail of Cthulhu and like not knowing who I'm going to put points in and yeah. like that creating anxiety. And Robin Laws is like, yeah, it, you're you're fighting Cthulhu. Anxiety's <laughs> like it's supposed to be in there. Uh, like that's the thing. I don't know if I don't. I don't know if I. No, don't that's like what it I mean. It is. It is. It like it's the uh, like the outcome. It's like a final outcome for a character. Like previously, a character either dies or goes mad. But in this in this game, which I think is unique, is that your character can essentially uh, become so stuck in poverty. If he loses everything, he can't go out being a taker anymore because he can't. You know, you yeah. Don't have those that kind of equipment and that kind of support. I mean, you're just gonna you you uh, mind, I mean, you're effectively committing suicide. So if you step outside the fence, so. So, I mean, that's that's and that and, and you're right. That is sort of the the theme of the game is that you are in this super vulnerable position. You're trying to get out of it. Uh, so I've just pointed out with my character that sort of ha- his break point is yeah. that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. And that's to me, that's the most exciting thing, because like uh, I know emergent play is supposed to mean. Uh, mechanics like yeah. things that people naturally do and you make that mechanic or you codify it or you just recognize it Yeah, and there has been some of that stuff in the game but like this for me is the most exciting part so far because it just unlocked like huge sex- sections of the setting for me so like the fact that the hope is what makes it truly grimdark yeah. and that the whole like even the Cthulhu we're all gonna die is truly like fantastical escapism Yeah, it's, it's as escapist and like power fantasyist as you know uh, you know, D and D. I am an immortal elf warrior kind of thing. Uh, so I think that's a selling point in Grimdark. But in a lot of stuff my settings, like, so I'm starting to think about the way people would like respond to this. So I'm like, uh, well, if clients are scared of like casualties, people inside an enclave would be like city folk coming out and being scared of cows. Yeah. Like, well, you should probably not stand next to it then, dumbass. Like, <laughs> uh, like you know, they they would have like that kind of condescension. And then from there, I'm just like. Well, post apocalyptic is a signifier of privilege. Yeah. I fucking live here, asshole. What do you mean post apocalyptic? <laughs> this is my home. Like taking pride in that and like just I'm just thinking about ways to integrate that into the setting yeah. and stuff like that. And before, uh I really like in the Dungeon World book, kind of aside, not really, they put like random nerd uh trope quotes in the yeah. margins, not just like sidebars for the rules, but they just put like random quotes and pull quotes from it. And like sometimes it's like cool because it's all heroic or from poetry. And sometimes it's from Ghostbusters and I'm like, it's a dungeon world book. Why are you doing this? <laughs> um and at a previous point in my wildest dreams, I was just like, okay, I'm writing a capitalist uh a, a game about the cars of capitalism. I should just throw Marxist thinker quotes in yeah. every other page. And I was like, no, nah, it's not going to do that. Now I'm just going whole hog. Like, yeah. Zizek, Lacan, uh, Marx, and Negri, uh, yeah, yeah. fucking 
Jameson. Oh, I will quote so much Jameson. Uh, I'm just like frantically reading uh, Marx's stuff more than I had before because I'm just gonna like put it in the sidebars of like and like it all speaks to the game when you pull the right pull quote. And I really think it's going to add the theme to it. So like, yeah. I feel like this discussion, regardless of what the impact has on the mechanics, because I don't know yet, uh, has has made the book better. And that what that's that's the best part of it so yeah. far for me. Well, also, as a practical thing, I think another reason why I would retire Kowloon or you know, start a new character is because... Like, you know, if he goes from a level seven D&D character to level two character, well, you can't go with the you can't go out with your other level seven buddies anymore because you're going to get your you know, you're going to drag them down with you when they're trying to save you. So if I go out uh, and I've lost all that bounty, if I don't like uh, Ludwig with the plus four hall and those other like allows me to, you know, gives me a wide berth so I can survive a lot of encounters I wouldn't have been otherwise because yeah. I can spend endurance more freely I can spend ammo more freely to make sure I like kill that vector yeah. or I run away and if I don't have that anymore what am I bringing to the party uh, if I go out they're just going to be you know uh, I, I put them all at risk, and I don't. And I know they would let me go with them, but like you know, because we're players and there's that table etiquette. But like, and for me, like, I understand it's table etiquette, but like, can I codify that in the game? Because I just think that's like so much more of an interesting character choice. It is. Than, hey, love fifteen, bro. You love, f- yeah. You lift. Yeah. <laughs> you can be in the club. Level three. Pff. Yeah, we'll kill him for you know after we come back and we want to start a bar fight before we get right. a new quest. Like I, I feel like that's not a meaningful character moment when the badass like sees his friend on hard times. Yeah, who's like uh, he's taking a crack, he's taking a crumble, he's now addicted. Half of his fucking bounty is going towards drinking. Yeah, and he's just like, "Come on, Steve, we <laughs> got to go kill us. You can do it, buddy." Right. It's just like old time. I feel like that's a meaningful character choice, and like horrific so uh yeah yet again i i do agree it's an issue and but like it's It's just an issue we're seeing it's not an issue we didn't predict i always predicted that this game doesn't have a uh you know completely linear progression curve like your character can get worse yeah uh and and you're just well i mean it's not and you're just like i don't want to be worse like i'll kill myself and that's a like legitimate concern i should have well it's not getting it's not that i'm it gets worse that i'd be objecting to uh i mean in some ways the campaign has gotten things have gotten worse for my character my character right now is very concerned that the government's going to kill him because he knows too much (laughs) yeah uh which is not exactly paranoia's valid thing uh but the the it's that it's not that you can get worse it's that you can get stuck like you can't like it's like in a video game where you progress to a certain point but like you hit a save point but used all your items up you used all your items up yeah and you can't kill the guy outside the save point and so you're just well i'm in limbo so that that's what i'm going well yeah but i I mean also i want to see how it plays out if this happens because i think you're also assuming like leveling yeah and it's not a leveled game uh, it's very much like, how does the market feel like it's going to be a challenge next? Right. And then even beyond that, it's very much like randomly generated. So your your shitty... But there is progression in the campaign because yeah, there are job lines and certainly... With, with job lines, they just it's just another job, though. They don't yeah. necessarily get harder, and they haven't necessarily gotten harder. You guys always... That's because they started very Well, hard. you guys always go for the big damn hero option. You realize that, right? right? Like, you could take two 
legs, drop off a prisoner, and go home with your money. But yeah. the last job we did, you're like, no, we got to end this early because we have to break a quarantine zone across the Mississippi River right. to engage in a spec ops, black ops thing to get ev- every time you go for the no, do 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 do, and, and like maybe your character will be like, no, it's just enough to get money this but time. But by doing that, we've only made I've only made about ten bounty profit per going hit, aiming for the fences. And part of that is because you yeah. have a gigantic, highly tech robot <laughs> that you keep as a pet. Like, yeah. You're just like, but every character, I can't help get by. I just got every, all these credit cards. But I think I think every single player has a similar level of bound, like upkeep. Like, yeah, I think everyone has at least five six of equipment about upkeep, mm-hmm. at least. So I, I I don't know. I mean, like these are campaign issues. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, and a pl- part of it, I think Red it's Mark, an ongoing struggle. It's so well, it's a big pro- it's a big problem of a big playtest. Well, yeah. it's it, Red Market's also. I think you can you can. One thing I do want to say before anything is that Red Market's like the actual core mechanics of action scenes and doing the shit in the game is amazing. I feel it's very tense. Uh, David's, you know, gladiatorial combat was amazing. Crystal Uh, David. Yeah, Crystal New David. Yeah, Crystal David. Um, But every other action scene, even the sandstorm stuff like that, like every it like there's a very efficient economy of action. Uh, there, there's a really tight relationship between your skills, your gear and you and, you know, spending short term versus long term risk management and stuff like that. So that's really great. And, um, yeah, so that that was my point with that. Yeah, buy yeah. my book. Yeah, buy my book. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's an ongoing struggle. So like, there's other- oh, but what I was talking about was yeah. the play style. Like Red Markets, I think could accommodate uh, different play styles. And I mentioned, and this, you you mentioned one of the, the difficulties is difficulty levels, and I think that's an excellent idea. Like if you want to play in a really like a, like Death Wish slash Dark Souls kind of difficulty level, like this is the super super impoverished you know Neo Detroit. Like it's just. Even by red market standards, it's bad. So you have to take whatever job you you know, uh, grime cloth looting or whatever yeah. else in order to not just starve to death. So you, yeah, versus like all the way easy mode like gold rush, you know, jobs are worth a lot of money, and then the game becomes more about how you fuck and you how you waste all that money because it's hey easy money I can always do another job and yeah then but then you have the then the market crashes and then it turns into uh, death wish mode and uh, so yeah but anyways yeah uh, and you also mentioned like investments as a way and I yeah. think like and just making that a gambling mechanic and oh yeah that's speculation brilliant uh, and I already have like notes on how to do that so uh, yeah, and the boom bust, which is what I'm calling the rules. You yeah. play bust rules or you play boom rules, uh, would be would be great. And I'm going to add that in whether it solves this problem or not, just because I think people are going to want that level of customization. Uh, but yeah, there's this ongoing struggle. So like D10s are weighted terribly. We've discovered yeah. that. Uh, all of them everywhere, no matter how many buy, they defy all probability. We've had a disproportionate number of critical failures. Yeah, and a disproportionate of critical successes like uh on doubles uh but a lot of crit failures on the dice and then we played with a random number generator once and everything went totally along probability curves yeah uh i don't know uh it worked out to 6.7 percent crit fails and 4.3 percent <laughs> did you keep track i kept track of every single role and every result in my notebook wow and we were perfectly on the probability curve for a random number generator hey. d10s just fucking suck thank you dice carbon yeah. two dollars from the <laughs> ios app store yeah whereas before and- i was like oh god the mechanic's broken the whole core thing's broken i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna, <laughs> my character's no longer optimal. I have to. I have to end it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but that's an ongoing problem. So, 
Uh, but that's a mechanical problem now because I got to get somebody to do sharp edge dice as a reward level. Yeah. But at least I don't have to rewrite. Luzaki, talk your ear off. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> You're looking forward to that conversation, didn't you? <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, like also, it's 115 pages for just the player section now. I have no idea how to condense a playtest draft, and I don't know if I should. Like, I don't know if I should just send out freaking everything. That's how I've gotten them. But then I've also seen like very clean, polished playtest drafts. Fucking phone book sized RPGs are out there. I know, but that's not playtest drafts. Like, yeah. it's a difference between somebody who's going to play a phone book sized book with like pretty pictures and glossy pages and a hardcover, and who's going to play phone book size like. Champions went in life. Whatever How I didn't many think editions? Of. Don't compare me to champions <laughs> and then expect me to be hopeful about this process. <laughs> it could stop a bullet. <laughs> it's not that long, but it's not like I'm sorry, no, champions it's not game. like a forty-five page quick start rule yet, because yeah. I don't I don't know the game well enough to cut it down like sure. that and think it will continue working. If I can cut it down that short, it probably doesn't need to be playtested anymore, which is my theory. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna need some dedicated playtesters, but that's a problem. Um, but yeah, those are ongoing struggles, and I just want to be clear to people out there listening, this was a huge mistake. There's still going to be a game, but this was a huge mistake, and I've done everything wrong at the core levels, because I never blog at all anymore, because blogging's a thing you do when you aren't writing red markets, and I'm never not writing red markets. So you're doing this podcast, and that's I enough. am doing a podcast, that's good, yeah. but like every second I am spending writing, I spend it writing the book which yeah. really hurts the promotion of again the, book. the podcast i think will will help with that I, yeah and that's the hope yeah, yeah. uh but also i can't fundraise for the fundraiser that the fundraising requires like yeah. I, at this point i need a patreon to back a gofundme to back an indiegogo to back my kickstarter so i can have enough art to make a trailer and make it decent uh and so like again needing to do that stuff that takes time and that's time not spent writing the book if you like caleb's work uh uh no security is available pay what you want yes. on drive through rpg <laughs> i will i want you to pay a lot but yeah. it's pay what you want yeah uh so uh and then there's like a lot of book left and you know the project is as fragile as the person yeah so i was looking online the other day and there is a uh RPG system called the immersion system. It's a 2D10 system. It's not yeah. a, it's an add. It's not a subtract. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's more D10. And their first book's called Infected. And they're getting ready to go to market. And it's all RPG uh, zombie stuff. And just like pure, pure zombie stuff. Uh, and so like I was looking at their webpage because they're pre-getting ready for their Kickstarter very slick design, very beautiful web page. And I'm looking down at the list of people working on it. It's this guy is lead designer. This guy is co-designer. This guy is head of the editorial department. This guy is co-writer. This guy is lead graphic designer. There's eight freaking people working on the book. And it's like, and then it's just like me and I've got binders and kinkos in my car. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, well, they're definitely getting to market before I do. And more people are going to like look at that website and be like, Ooh, whereas I'm on Blogspot because my damn website got took over by Islamic terrorists three times. Uh, like, yeah, so it's a huge mistake to go this big first time around. I'm going to make a book and it's going to go out there and I think it'll kickstart sometime next year. Definitely. Cause we're making big progress. Yeah. But 
No, Holy it, shit, this is too much to do by yourself. The core <laughs> engine of the game is great. The foundation of it, you've built a strong foundation for it. Yeah. It's just, you know, building it up from there, building this third and fourth floor and all that. Uh, to take an architectural uh, metaphor there? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah uh, so, uh, you know, the game's as fragile as the person, and I'm doing fine now, but, like, I had health issues and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, any little thing that happens to me slows the production of the game. And any good thing speeds the production of the game. And that's not like a professional dynamic. But at the same, I'm just like starting off. Like I've got one book I could sell. Heaven on Games can't accept other people as freelancers and can't hire out work until the Kickstarter. You gotta have a backlog and like you I think at some point anyone who's gonna start in the industry has to bootstrap do it themselves at some point. Yeah. I th- I mean that thing about the backlog, I think that's one of the reasons why Ruin is so slow, is because I'm Working to fill, make a backlog right now. Yeah, like that was my one of my motivations to make Boiling Point and do these PDF supplements and uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, so things are going well. Uh, here's the future plans. I'm going to keep up the macro play test. We're going to keep recording. Yeah, uh, eventually those will be posted in RPPR. Uh, I'm going to finish the GM section by the end of definitely before Gen Con, so that I can give play test drafts out to people from the forums. Uh, there's a thread up now where you can sign up for Gen Con playtest games or sign up for the beta draft, which is just going to be a Word document, uh, when it's ready. Uh, uh, and I will distribute that beta to very dedicated readers who want to hack through the whole thing and learn it. Uh, we might also find a way to get them a preview AP so they could hear it played before they run it for their group. Yeah. Um, then I need, I really decided I need to do a new playtest because I gave the rules to Crystal David, who'd never played an RPG before except for that one time we did Dungeon World. <laughs> And I asked him to read the character creation chapter and then make a character. And like seeing where he struggled was really informative on how I need oh, to Oh no, that's a that. great idea. So yeah, I really want yeah. to run a game for like, what's an RPG? And like the first one's Red Markets. I don't think you should introduce your friends to gaming with Red Markets, but like but if I should... can make it possible to do that, even as though it's ill advised, that that's gonna be better but, for everybody. But Caleb, for every gamer who is introduced to role playing games through red markets, that is one less gamer who is introduced to RPGs uh with Palladium. Yes. So uh, you're doing a service. It's better than Palladium. It is to introduce <laughs> version one was better than Palladium. <laughs> it yeah, no, uh, clearly. To introduce you had players. unified mechanics and a consistent <laughs> ideology. Yeah, no, like uh so yeah, there's that. I gotta solve the pre funding problem because the art and i can't show it to people but the art as ross knows is just amazing i got two uh, really great pieces the, my motivation for taking the drunkie was from art from uh, the art yeah uh which showed a character with a drunkie with a hockey mask on and i'm like <laughs> sold i gotta make uh, him. a drunkie is like a big dog if you've ever seen those if but, you uh, or uh, google boston dynamics yeah they uh, have, extrapolated outwards yeah uh well we talked about that stuff before yeah uh, I need to get graphic artists and get a sample chapter for funding. Yeah, we'll and, play out uh, that junk. Plan the Kickstarter, and then I need to work on the setting and uh, wait for an auspicious time sometime early next year to do the Kickstarter. So I announced the beta, maybe Ashcan, and then I almost died. So let me just announce more dates I won't make. So I'd like to do it sometime spring next year. Uh, when I will be off work and able to run the Kickstarter, I doubt the book will be 100% written by then. But at this point, as long as the mechanics are down, uh, I can blast setting material at like 5,000 words a day now. So thanks to No Soul Left Behind. So uh, I can catch up on that, and I'm willing to launch the Kickstarter now before it's absolutely everything is finished. Um, so uh, I'm just going to keep working on that, keep doing the play test until we get something solidified, 
keep getting playtest reports back from the beta people once I get that out, and then it'll just be pray for an auspicious time for the Kickstarter gods and see what happens. Um, but until then, we have lots of future episodes we could do. Uh, style guides are a nightmare, but you have to have one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, as you can see from going through the draft, I really need a style guide, and Scrivener's kind of screwy in transporting your document to anything that can be read by anyone who doesn't have Scrivener. Um, so struggling with that um uh long distance writing tips so stuff you do for like long haul type of writing yeah uh inconsistency uh you know what do i capitalize what do i not capitalize uh and then i have like setting concerns when you're writing like in character stuff and campaign strategy for the kickstarter before it goes live and a lot of gdw's left in the pipe uh, and I have some ideas, like for Ruin, I'm thinking about actually releasing an Ashcan version of it, but with like an Ashcan, but maybe not like a standard Ashcan, but like a limited edition, limited release of the game. Like I have one particular setting that I want to do for Ruin. I want to release that like as a standalone game and get uh, just to see how the market and see how people react to it before I release. Like, like the whole idea with Ruin is such a high concept. Like, I don't know if I want to come. Here is the fuck all ruin the RPG. Stop a bullet phone book size book, like a, a thinner book that's focused. Here is this one particular area, and here is one particular campaign you or type of one shot you can do with ruin. Um, and you know, like doing basically like instead of doing like television drama, the role playing game, do lost the role playing game. And so. As the first release, just to Don't see... Don't sell your book by comparing it to Lost. <laughs> well, Lost got over 100 episodes and a shitload of Emmys and, you know... And it took that money and run, just they, like Ross Payton. Exactly. Wait, what? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, you see what I mean. Yeah, I do uh, see what you mean. Uh, so, yeah. So, something like that. So, I, that's something I've been working towards. Uh, as soon as I get Bowling Point done, I'll get back to that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, this has been Big Playtest, Big Problems. Thanks for... Keep it on following us, folks. Yeah. We what? appreciate it. Woo! Woo! What was that? I don't know. Right. You, you're not going to be enthusiastic? I, I I was until you made that noise. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> bye. <laughs>
I've got no place to 